0: As the clock counts down. All right, good morning, good morning. It's great to see everybody this morning. For those watching us online, we'd like to welcome you as well, that you have opportunity to worship with us today. Have a good amount of announcements as we're kicking off the new year. Uh, a lot of things are going to go back into motion with our schedules and so forth. So, just want to make you aware of a lot of things. Um, whoever's wearing that Steeler hat in the back, of boy, we got to pray for them today. Sorry, we got a little thing happening here. But it's the Holy Spirit's in the house. No, here we go. I'm just kidding. All right. I just couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. That's my team. They're playing today. Pray for them. Okay. Um, Okay, kids, first grade through fourth grade. Kids worship kicks back off today. We're very excited for that, so... Just before the sermon, after the prayer time, you'll go out the double doors and you'll meet Mr. Tom Habercorn, and he'll be leading you over for that today. Today at 4.30 here in the sanctuary, we're kicking in with our every other week prayer time. So we invite you to be a part of that time of fellowship. If You want to come and pray about things in our body, things happening in our city, um, just as the Holy Spirit leads. So today at 4.30 here in the sanctuary. This Wednesday, we kick back in with our Wednesday schedule. Very excited about that. So I'm going to do a little rundown so we're aware of some great opportunities starts at six o'clock kids will continue through with our gospel project with our kids club uh teenagers youth group we're starting off with a new series going verse by verse through philippians we're very excited about getting into that book and uh Doing that verse-by-verse verse study. Men, you will be continuing on with Tim Keller's book, Every Good Endeavor, the one that you've been in for the past fall. So you continue on in that. And ladies, you have two opportunities. Um, there will be a continued study with the book Instrument in the Redeemer's Hands, led by Alicia Jung and Cecilia Teal. And even though they were continuing on, they're still time for you other ladies to join. If you want to pray about being a part of it, you can talk to one or two of them and see what the study is about. Also, Karen Fowler is starting a new study on Romans 8 which is uh, who we are in Christ. And she just wanted to let the ladies know who want to be a part of that to read Romans chapters 1 through 8 before Wednesday as a kickoff as you begin that study this Wednesday night. So if uh, you're new to us or just visiting, we'd really encourage you to be a part of uh, our Wednesday nights. as a great time of community and discipleship and getting to know each other better and getting in the word and uh, just enjoying those time uh, in our, here in our faith family. I want to remind you again, the Dwell Bible app. Uh, we've been mentioning it the past few weeks. We at Gateway are providing an opportunity for you to have it for free. You see the link um, on the screen that you can uh, get on there and enjoy hearing the Bible. There's all kinds of different... I think daily things you can listen to, different aspects, different nationalities, accents, everything that you can hear the word in different uh, translations. So we encourage you if you want to have that for this new year. All right, a couple things ahead we just want to make you aware of. Men, just a reminder, uh, February 5th, Saturday the 5th, uh, they're planning a men's day hike. Uh, Smith Mountain Fire Tower at Lake Martin. Grady and Mike Presley will be leading this out. And yes, men, you have an opportunity to climb the tower. Uh, Grady and them have already been there. You've been there already, yeah. He said there's some amazing views. You could never get me on that tower, but um, I, would, my, I may stay below. But um, you have the opportunity to climb the tower. And also, one of the coolest things, I didn't realize that he mentioned, you get to explore some islands ...around that area of Lake Martin that you can only do here in the winter when the water is low. So there's an opportunity to do that. So all the details and registration you can do on the website, gatewaybaptist.com. And one br- brief things we just added in just to make you aware and prepare for. In the beginning of March, we're going to have a Gateway Talent Showcase... For all of you that we can uh, experience and share your gifts, your artistry gifts, uh, an opportunity to participate with that. Uh, We're going to have information on the website, the news blog, tomorrow. And so we just want to encourage you to get on if you're interested in registering or you're interested in sharing your artistic gift with us. We're very excited about that. We're going to have it on a Saturday night, having here, some refreshments, and to enjoy uh, the gifts and the talents God's given us. I'm now going to ask our Pastor Grady to come up and introduce some new members. (laughs)
1: Well, we get to introduce two more new members. These are people who have been in the process, and you approved back before Christmas, but we get to introduce them today. So Jeremy and Emily, if you guys would come on down to the front here, wherever you guys are, there's Jeremy and Emily. Come up front so people can see you. They're not a scary group, I promise. So these are people who have already completed the membership process, been approved by you, the members, but we want to introduce them to you this morning. This is over here to your right, my left. This is Jeremy Kearns. He is from Colorado, so welcome to the humidity and mosquitoes of Alabama. (laughs) Cameron's identifying with you over there. He's a new intern at Fisher's Farms. You've heard a lot about this ministry. It's a residential discipleship. Yeah, you got the sure. It's the residential discipleship home where men come in and find freedom in Christ through the gospel from life habits and addictions that they've had. And so he's their new intern working with Jeff Hamm there, helping with their counseling and their discipleship and the oversight of that ministry. In his free time when he's not doing stuff at Fisher's Farms, he likes volleyball, hunting, and camping, and hopefully hiking as well in Fire Towers. So we'll get you out there on that one as well, Jeremy. And asked if there's anything that um, he wants you to know about him. and He said it's never a bad time for deep theological doctrine or biblical discussions. So, guys, of you like that. If you will get up with him, go take him to a cup of coffee at Prevail and have some fun discussions on theology, he would love that. And then over here is Emily Griffin. She's from Tuscaloosa, not quite as far as Colorado. She has her degree in social work, and she's also doing her master's right now in international community development. She is a program director for a ministry called Mescal's Children's Center of Hope. It's a ministry in Kenya that does an orphanage, that does a primary school, and that provides gospel center community development resources to help the people in Kenya. She runs the U.S. office here and she manages their sponsorship program and media, supports their Kenyan staff, and gets to do several trips a year. We ask her what she enjoys doing. She likes reading, traveling to Kenya, especially, which is good with her job, and time with her family. So, Emily and Jeremy, we're glad to welcome you guys. Now to our many visitors, if you've been coming to Gateway and think this is where the Lord is leading you to be your church home, we have an opportunity for you December, sorry December, I'm already in January now, January 23rd. After church on that Sunday, we have something called Discover Gateway. This is a lunch at my house following the worship service. We go over what we believe as a church, things about Gateway, our distinctives, our leadership team. We talk about our beliefs, and we give you a chance to ask questions. So if you've been visiting and think this is where the Lord's leading you to be your church home, you can come. There's no obligation, but we want you to just come learn more about us and we want to get to know you better. We need you to register ahead of time. You see that at our website, gatewaybaptist.com, you'll find it on the blog there under News and Events, and you can register. On that. Well, as we prepare to worship the Lord this morning, I ask you to stand, please, and Zach is going to read us some scripture to get us started.
2: Good morning. As we get ready to to worship through a uh, song, we just wanted to, to make it known that uh, the songs in the selection this morning is going to be much more reflective and much more prayerful, and so an, an interesting thing that I was thinking about um, through preparing for this was that it, it seems cliche or simple but when we're singing these songs it's very much about singing these songs to the Lord and praying to the Lord through this music and so especially for the for the set list that we have this morning um, it's I think it would be very beneficial and it would be very encouraging for all of us to really think and focus on that opportunity that we have and and praying these songs to the Lord because all of them in one way or another at some point in all the songs they are we're singing directly to the Lord And so as we're singing these songs, um, just know that this is a, this is a time of, of yes, corporate worship and singing together, but most importantly, praying to the Lord and praying to him, um, specifically. And so through our, through our lesson of sanctification this morning, just be praying that we are sanctified and that we are grown through this, through this time of singing, prayer, listening, hearing, preaching, um and everything else that's going to be going on this morning. We ask that we would just be sanctified through this process. And so um, I wanted to read some scripture for y'all from the book of Psalms. What better way to start off than through um, a prayer from David? And it's in Psalm 25. It starts in verse 1. It says, In you, Lord my God, I put my trust. I trust in you. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame, but shame will come to those who are treacherous, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways according to your love. Remember me, for you, Lord, are good. And so let's sing these songs to the God who is good. (music) Thank <music> you. i so-
3: is found is where you
2: So continuing with that, let's hear from the psalmist again in Psalm 119. It says in verses 25 through 40. I am laid low in the dust. Preserve my life according to your word. I gave an account of my ways and you answered me. Teach me your decrees. Cause me to understand the way of your precepts that I may meditate on your wonderful deeds. My soul is weary with sorrow, my strength, Strengthen me according to your word. Keep me from deceitful ways. Be gracious to me and teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have set my heart on your laws. Hold fast to your statutes, O Lord. Do not let me be put to shame. I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your decrees, that I may follow it to the end. Give me understanding so that I may keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart towards your statutes, and do not and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servants so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good how I long for your precepts and your righteousness preserve my life. Is that what we're praying this morning? Are we praying that to be grown, to be sanctified, to be built in his word and built on his precepts and on his laws? I certainly struggle with that. I'm not by any means a great example of that. And I know we all can admit that, but We are called to pray, we are called to seek his face and to seek him so that he may build our lives for his glory and for his honor. build us and grow us in your love but for your glory. Keep our eyes fixed on you, God. Don't let us become distracted by the things of this world. Keep our eyes focused on you.
4: Bow with me. Lord, out of Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Fathers, we read this. Our cry to you, Lord, is not that we do more, but Lord, that we trust and believe you with everything that we are, or we recognize that anything done of eternal significance will be because of your great power and your great grace and your great love. So, Lord, just bend our hearts as we begin this new year to you, Lord, as we've just sung, Lord, in so many different ways, Lord, of your greatness, Lord, of your great, great love for us. So, Lord, we cry out to you as we pray this morning. And Lord, we just want to begin by lifting up the marriages in our church. Lord, we know that we have an enemy, Lord, who hates everything that is of you, Lord. And Lord, the marriage, the family, and Lord, we know that even our own flesh, Lord, fights against our marriages. So Lord, we just cry out to you and ask, Lord, would you make among our church here a group of marriages that represent the gospel, where we see the gospel at work every day, Lord, where you're grace and your mercy rule and reign. Lord, help us to love sacrificially as we see so clearly in the gospel. Lord, would you do that in the marriages in our church? Lord, help us to love one another in this. Lord, to encourage one another in this. Lord, we also thank you for those in our body who are serving in so many different ways. Thank you for my friend and brother Foschmar, who reaches out to the guys at Safety Net. Lord, where he loves and serves these young men, Lord, we pray for, Lord, fruit in his ministry, Lord, that these young men, Lord, would uh, someday, Lord, bow the knee to you. Lord, we pray for a fellow pastor in, in the city in Capitol Heights Baptist Church, Lord, Pastor Russell Warner, Lord. Lord, just pray in that church, Lord, that you'd give him great encouragement, great strength in these days, Lord. Lord, as he pastors this church, Lord, would you make that a church of light in Capitol Heights, Lord, a light on a hill there, we pray. And Lord, we just also pray, Lord, even globally, we pray for uh, Christians in the state of Zamfara, Nigeria, Lord, who have been threatened in their church. Lord, they operate in a way we don't operate, Lord, where, where they have people that, Lord, are threatening and attacking them. Lord, we just pray, Lord, you would give great courage and wisdom to the church there as they reach out uh, around them, Lord. Lord, would you... Uh, bring fruit from that. Lord, I know where persecution is, that's where your church grows, Lord, and even help prepare us now and in these days ahead, Lord, for what we might face one day, even in this country. And Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have week by week Lord, to set aside what you've blessed us with. Lord, as a heart offering, Lord, to you, as a part of our worship to you, Lord, Lord, not as a check the box, but as a part of who we are and worshiping you. So, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that we would be generous and cheerful givers, Lord. And we just thank you for how you provide for our body here and enable us to give and to serve those around us. And we just thank you for, for Grady, Lord, for our pastor. Lord, just thank you for how you've gifted him. Lord, thank you for his humility in so, so many ways. Lord, I pray even today as he comes and teach. Lord, your Holy Spirit reign and rule in his heart. Lord, govern the words that come out of his mouth, Lord. Thank you that he is willing to be, Lord, a vessel, Lord, for your word. We're just so, so grateful. And, Lord, would you, would you also do a work in our hearts, Lord, that we would believe, Lord, that we would receive the word as it's shared today. And we just thank you for the opportunity to gather together as a body. Lord, to love one another, to encourage one another. And we just pray all this in the strong and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
1: And boys and girls, first to fourth grade, you are dismissed to kids' worship. Mr. Tom, Miss Jennifer, it's the first to fourth grade. While the kids are on their way out, if you'll find Second Corinthians chapter 3 in your copy of God's Word. And guys, in the booth, if you could... Turn down some of the lights so I can see the people in front of me. That'd be awesome. Find 2 Corinthians chapter 3 in your copy of God's Word. We're continuing our journey to be more rooted and more grounded in the Scripture. If you're visiting with us, we're using a catechism to guide us. We have copies at the table in the back and in the table by the restrooms and out in the resource center, so grab one before you leave. But we're coming today and next week to three important words that summarize our Christian life and our Christian journey. And so today and next time we'll look at these three important words that describe the beginning of our Christian journey, the process of it, and then the culmination of it. Now those three words are in the only two of them are in the Catechism. And today we come to question number thirty-one in the Catechism, asks, what is justification and what is sanctification. So what is justification and what is sanctification? Now we're only going to focus on the word sanctification this morning. Now why am I skipping justification? Because we've been talking about that for the last 35 weeks, haven't we? Everything we've been seeing has been describing for us the just what justification is all about. And if you want a quick definition of justification, it's simply being declared righteous by God. Justification is being declared righteous. By God, that's what we've been seeing week after week after week. we've seen our sin, we've seen our idolatry, we've seen how unrighteous we are. We've seen the punishment we deserve from the wrath of a holy God, And yet we've seen throughout these weeks the incredible mercy of God that He is willing to redeem us and to forgive us of all of our sins and to justify us, where He changes our legal standing, where we're no longer seen by God as sinners, but we are seen as forgiven, as belonging to Him, where He changes our status. Before him that's what we've been talking about so much in the last 35 weeks of our study. That is the beginning of the faith journey, justification. Next Sunday, we're going to look at the culmination of the journey, and that's glorification. Now the catechism, for some reason, skips this topic altogether, so we're going to add a week to the catechism, so know if you're reading ahead, there's no question 33 of what is glorification. We're adding that in, but glorification is the culmination of the journey, what we have to look forward to when we see Jesus face to face. That's next week. So today we're looking at the in-between. What's between justification and glorification? And the big word for that is sanctification. So our question for today is, what is sanctification? We're going to find the answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 this morning. Just one verse this morning that is packed full of teaching for us of what sanctification is. So as we read our verse this morning, be looking for what is sanctification and how does it happen? So what is it and how does it happen? So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? I'm reading out the English Standard Version we will also have the words on the screen for you. Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now before I pray for us I want us to read this out loud together. There's so much truth in this one verse of God's word, I want us to say it out loud together. I know we have lots of different translations, so let's read it off the screen together so it'll all be somewhat harmonious. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, let's say it together. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Father, what incredible truth we have just proclaimed, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes to this truth today, that you give me clarity in speaking about it, you give us ears to hear, and Lord, you would take your word this morning and use it to sanctify us today, even as we are talking about sanctification. You do it for your glory, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So what is sanctification? Now, to kind of guide us through thinking about this massively important topic, I want to divide this into four questions this morning. And so our four questions to kind of guide us through this is, first of all, what is it? Second of all, how does it happen? Third, when does it happen? And fourth, what is the result? So what is it? How does it happen? When does it happen? And what is the result? As we think about those four questions, I want us even more to be thinking through, is this my experience? This is not just a nice theological discussion. This is something that should be very personal and very real to us. Is this our experience of the Christian Journey. So, what is sanctification? Now, before we jump in the text here, let's understand what's going on here. This is in obviously Second Corinthians. It's a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in the city of Corinth. He did so about fifty-five A.D. And when we come into chapter three of this letter, he's defending his ministry as an apostle. There were people who were trying to undermine the church and question his right to teach what he's taught, and so he defends himself here. And in defending himself, he does so in something called the talking about the new covenant, so the way God relates to His people now. Because of Christ. Now, that's a sermon for a whole other day, but just realize that's what's going on right here. And in so doing, he's going to use some Old Testament references to talk about what he's seeing and what, what he's saying and what we're looking at this morning. And you've just seen some of those images. He talked about the glory of God, he talked about veiled. Now, to understand what he's doing here, you have to realize that he's going back to Exodus chapter 32, 33, and 34. He's almost giving a commentary on these chapters from Exodus. This is when Moses goes up on the mountain to meet with God. He sees God in all of his glory, and he gets the Ten Commandments there. But while he's away, if you remember, the people of Israel rebel. They make the golden calf. They worship an idol instead of trusting in the Lord, and God is angry with his people, and God is going to destroy his people. But Moses intercedes for them and asks God to show mercy, and God does show mercy on his people. And in those chapters, we see God now talking with Moses about what's happening. So, Exodus chapter 34, verse 28 and 29, I want you to see kind of what's happening there. So, he, Moses, was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Okay, so here's some context for us that Paul is pulling from here in this letter. As Moses encountered the glory of God face to face, it transformed him, it changed him to where he was literally glowing. Now let's pick back up in verse 30 and see what happens. And Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold the skin of his face shone. And they were afraid to come near him. Um, yeah, I think that would be an understatement, right? Verse 32, He carries on there. Afterwards, all the people of Israel came near, and he commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with him, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, that would be in the tabernacle, he would remove the veil. So the imagery is important. here. He could take it off so he could see God and see God's glory without a veil over his face until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel what he was commanded... The people of Israel would see the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him, being with God, at which point he would remove it. Verse 36. I think on. Yep, that's it. Okay, thank you. So he could be in God's presence without a veil. He could see the glory of God, and it changed him. That's the imagery Paul is pulling from here to teach us about sanctification. So with that background of you, let's dig into our questions this morning. First of all, what is Sanctification. Now the term is not in today's verse but the term sanctify or sanctification is found in scripture in multiple places. One place is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. In 1 Thessalonians 5 you have this word. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Now the word sanctify here just simply means to make holy. If you look at it in the Greek language in which the New Testament was written, the word sanctify comes from the root word for holy. Sanctification is the process of God making us more holy. It is growing in holiness, growing in obedience to God. Now let me remind us from our studies before, when we talk about growing in holiness, there's two aspects of it. The first part is putting off sin, ridding our lives of sin, and sanctification certainly is, an, is, is that, is putting off sin from our life. We see an example of that in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. Here's Paul says, For this is the will of God, your what? What is, what is God's will for you? You're, there we go, your sanctification. If you ever wonder what God's will is, He tells you very clearly, it's for you to be sanctified, to be made more holy. And here's an example of what that includes, The you abstain from sexual immorality. It's putting off sin from our life, putting off anything in our lives that is inconsistent with the revealed will of God. As we've seen over and over, holiness is not just getting rid of sin. Holiness is also putting on Christ-likeness, replacing the sin with a Christ-like virtue. Again, we get an example of this in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, we see this of putting on and putting off. Paul says, "...to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness." And in true holiness. So sanctification is growing in holiness. That is putting off sin and putting on Christ's likeness. And in the very next verse in Ephesians 4, Paul gives us an example of both. Put off, put on. Ephesians 4 25. Therefore, having put away, put off falsehood, let each of you now speak the truth, as to put on with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. You put off the falsehood, you put on the truth-telling. You put off the sin, you put on the righteousness. That is what sanctification is all about. So with that in view, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 this morning. Where do we see sanctification here, since he does not use the word? We'll look back. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, here it is, are being transformed into the same image. Here's where he talks about sanctification. We are being transformed. Now, the Greek word here, are being transformed, is the Greek word metamorpho. If that sounds at all familiar, think back to elementary school science and Metamorphosis. We get the English word metamorphosis from the Greek word here to be transformed. The image of a caterpillar becoming a beautiful butterfly, being transformed. That's the word that Paul is pulling from here, that we're being metamorphosized. We are being transformed. We are being changed. We are putting off how we used to be, and we're putting on something new. And what is it that we are putting on? Well, he tells us right here, we are being transformed into the same image. Now, what image is that? Well, if you look at the phrase before the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the image of the Lord, into God's image, into more and more reflecting who he is. Now, Remember what Paul is doing here going back to Exodus in Exodus 34. When Moses was with God, it changed him. He had a physical brightness about him. He was transformed because he was in the presence of God. Now, we're no longer transformed physically in terms of a brightness, but we have something even more radically happen. Our inner nature is changed. The more we are in the presence of the Lord, the more our nature changes to look more and more like Jesus. That's what we just saw in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24, where Paul makes it clear there also that we're to put on the new self, created after the likeness of who? Of who? There we go, in the likeness of God. That we are being transformed to look more and more like the Lord in His righteousness and in his holiness. So, first question for the morning: what is sanctification? It's simply transformation to be more and more like Christ. If you want a very short, simple definition, sanctification is transformation to be more and more like Christ. But Paul shows us a lot more here. That's our second question. Now, how does this transformation happen? How does this sanctification happen? I want to be really clear here, transformation, sanctification does not happen through our own white-knuckle determination or self-effort. You and I cannot manufacture sanctification. Now, where do we see that? Look at verse 18 here. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Now, this word, are being transformed, in the Greek is passive. That means it's something you don't do that has to be done to you. So our transformation is not, the command here is not, go transform yourself. The command is a description that you are being transformed. Someone else is doing it to you, and who is transforming you? Paul tells us there, in the very last phrase, for this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so the key truth for us in thinking about sanctification is the Holy Spirit is the one who transforms us to be more and more like Christ. If the process is becoming transformed to be more and more like Christ, the Holy Spirit is the one who does this. We saw this earlier in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It's an amazing text as well on sanctification. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Paul stresses there that himself, that God is the one who does the sanctifying of us, the transformation of us of us, which is again what he brings out back to verse 18 today. This sanctification, this transformation comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So how does the Holy Spirit transform us? Well, next month we have a whole sermon on that. So I'm not going to keep you totally hanging there, but we do have a whole week in a month on how does the Holy Spirit help us. But for now, realize that the Holy Spirit helps us and transforms us. He dwells within us. And as he dwells in us, he changes our desires, he changes our affections, he shapes our nature, he reminds us of Scripture, he reminds us of the character of God, he reminds us of the promise of the Scripture, he convicts us of sin, he gives us strength to follow God. As he works within us, third person of the one triune God, he, the Holy Spirit, transforms us to be more like Christ. Now, an important clarification for us here, sanctification is God's work, but we have a responsibility as well there's a lot of popular ideas floating around in Christianity that you just need to let go and let God, but that's not what this is about here. Yes, Scripture calls us to trust God. Yes, Scripture tells us God's sovereign, but we have a responsibility in our sanctification. We don't just sit by passively waiting for God to do this. We have a responsibility. And what is our responsibility? We'll go back to verse 18, and it shows what we're doing as he transforms us. And we all with unveiled faces, notice it says, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. We are beholding. This is a word that, used in Greek that means to look at something. Sometimes it means to look at something in a mirror, to look at a reflection of something. But the key idea is you're looking at something. You're focused on something. You're intently staring at something. We are focusing on something. And what are we focusing on? So we're focusing on the glory of God. Moses in Exodus 32, 33, and 34 saw that when he went up on the mountain, when he went in the tabernacle, he saw the glory of God and it changed him. Now, where do we see the glory of God? The Scriptures, what we've been talking about in recent weeks, that we see the glory of God reflected in Scripture. And the more we read Scripture, the more we see the glory of God. Friends, that reminds us that our sanctification cannot be separated from knowing the Word of God. Our sanctification cannot be separated from knowing the Word of God. Our job is not just to sit back and wait for God to transform us. Our job is to put ourselves in the path of grace to know the Word of God so the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and transforms. Forms us. Friends, if we do not expose ourselves to the word, if we do not read it, pray over it, meditate on it, talk about it with others, we are missing out on the primary tool the Holy Spirit uses to grow us. So it goes back to the question, if you were here right after Christmas, the question I asked for us is, what is our plan to intentionally grow in knowing the word this year? Because if we want God to sanctify us, we cannot expect him to do so apart from us putting ourselves in the path of grace in reading and studying the word. What is our plan to do so? There's a second responsibility I'm convinced that we have in sanctification as well. Yes, it's God's work and God uses the word, but there's a second responsibility we have as well. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, and look for what it is. We're told to let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So sanctification is God's work, but we're told that we're to be stirring each other up to the putting on of things, to love and good works. Verse 25 tells us how. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more so you see the day drawing near. We have a responsibility not just to know the Word of God, we have a responsibility to be in community where the Word of God is being shared. Because the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God, yes, as we read it on our own, yes, as we pray over it, but the Holy Spirit loves to take the Word of God as we speak it to one another and challenge each other and read it together and talk about it together. The Holy Spirit loves to take it and use His Word and community to sanctify us. Friends, I have grown so much not just through reading the Word myself, but through conversations of the Word. As Julie and I sit up late at night talking about Scripture, as I sit with CJ in his office over a cup of coffee, the Word sanctifies me. As I sit in Chick-fil-A with Seth, or Nukes up here with Jeff, or I was meeting with Greg and Cecilia in my living room, or hearing another one of the brothers in Christ and our elder team preach here, being part of the prayer gathering we had Wednesday, the Holy Spirit loves to take these conversations where we talk about the Word and use them for the Word to take root in our lives. So yes, sanctification is God's work. The Holy Spirit does it, but He calls us to step into those paths of grace, to be in the Word and to be talking about the Word in community where He takes the Word and He transforms us through it. So what is sanctification? Transformation to be more and more like Christ. How does it happen? The Holy Spirit is the one who transforms us. But he does so through the means of grace, through the word and prayer and community. So question three, when does this happen? When does this transformation happen? Well, friends, it begins when we're justified. It begins when we first follow Jesus. Look back at verse 18 this morning. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Formed. He says, we with unveiled faces. Now, what is he meaning? We'll go back a few verses. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verses 14 and 14 to 16. He tells us when the veil was removed for us. He's talking about the Jewish people who are not believing. He says, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is the veil taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read to the Jewish people, a veil lies over their hearts, verse 16. But when one turns to the Lord, what happens to the veil? The veil is what? The veil. the veil is removed. Friends, so when Paul's talking about we see God unveiled, he means that God has justified us, that God in his mercy has turned our hearts to see him take in our dead lives and put life into it. He's justified us. And sanctification begins immediately. We don't get justified and then 10 years later we start getting sanctified. Once we're justified, the sanctification process Begins and it carries on throughout our entire lives. We keep it back to this phrase, we are being transformed, back in verse 18. In the Greek, this is present tense, that means it is ongoing. It's not a once for all thing. Sanctification is an ongoing process. Our justification happened at a point in time. There was a point in time that we believe because of God's mercy and grace and he declared us legally righteous in his eyes. That was a point in time. Sanctification is not a point in time. It is happening through our lives. It's happening now. I pray it will keep happening tomorrow and each day this week for us. It is progressive. It is progressive sanctification. It happens Very gradually, as the Holy Spirit reveals sin patterns, the Holy Spirit teaches us through the Word, and step by step, day by day, progressively, God grows us more and more into the image of Christ. Now, something to realize here, friends, that is the normal Christian life. We live in a culture that acts like sanctification is for the super-Christians or a higher-life Christianity. It's for the pastors, the elders, the missionaries. friends. This is the normal Christian life for every follower of Christ. Go back to how he began in verse 18 here. And we the apostles, well, no. And we the higher life Christians, no. we the pastors, elders, and missionaries, no. and we what? So what's the next word? All. We all. This is for every Christian. Friends, if you are in Christ, sanctification is happening, which is the warning I've given to us before, but we need to seriously take look at here. Friends, if there is no growth, no sanctification in our life, that means there was no justification Because there's no such thing as a Christian who's justified but not being sanctified. God sanctifies every one of his followers. And if we're not being sanctified and repenting, then the Holy Spirit disciplines us. That's a whole sermon for a whole nother day. But God sanctifies his children. So what is sanctification? Question one is transformation to be more and more like Christ. Question two, how does it happen? The Holy Spirit is the one who transforms us. Question three, when does it happen? It's a process throughout the life of every Christian. It's a process throughout the life of every every Christian. Now, question four what is the result? And friends, I'm not sure how to answer that in just a minute here. What is not the result of the Holy Spirit transforming us? Friends, it affects every part of us. We've looked at this verse earlier, but 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, look at how much of us is changed by sanctification. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you, how much? Completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God's plan for us as his people is sanctification all parts of our life. Spirit, soul, body, totality of who we are should be being changed by the Holy Spirit progressively through our lives. That means he changes our words. He changes our thought patterns. He changes our affections. He changes our attitudes. He changes what we do. You get a glimpse of this in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. This is a text on the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit here is the outward change that happens. If you drive down to Florida and you see orange trees, you know the orange trees because you see the oranges. So... Because it grows because it's an orange tree. So what is the fruit, the change, the transformation, the life of a believer who has the Holy Spirit? He tells us the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. That the result of the Holy Spirit transforming us is He produces in us these things we cannot produce ourselves. He gives us great joy. He gives us freedom over sin. He helps us love others. He helps us to be patient with others. He does all these things as he transforms every part of us. So let's try to bring all four of those things together. So here's the main idea for the day. What is sanctification? Here we go. Sanctification is the process in the life of all Christians where they are transformed by the Holy Spirit to be more and more like Jesus. Now, that's a mouthful, but that's just bringing together all we've seen. Sanctification is the process. It is gradual. It's progressive. It begins at justification, and it'll go throughout our entire life till we see Jesus face to face. We'll talk about that next week, and it happens to every Christian, not just for the missionaries, not just for the pastors, not just for the super Christians. This is for all believers, everyone who's in Christ, and it happens through the Holy Spirit who transforms us, who metamorphosizes us to be more and more like Jesus, as we put off sin and put on Christ's likeness. Sanctification is the process in the life of all Christians where they are transformed by the Holy Spirit to be more and more like Jesus. So one question for you this morning in light of all this, are you experiencing that type of sanctification? Are you experiencing that type of sanctification? Friends, if not, you need to ask yourself, Lord, do I really know you? Because if we're in Christ, he will be sanctifying us. But friends, if you are experiencing sanctification, rejoice in it this morning. Is not fun. We're not pretending sanctification is fun. Discipline is not fun, but it's so good. It's a sign of God's grace and love for us that he loves us too much to leave us where we are, but he's gonna keep growing us more and more into who he made us to be. Are you experiencing that sanctification? I wanna ask our praise team to come. And as they're coming, I've got two questions for you to think about. I want you to have a few minutes of reflection before we close in Psalm this morning. Here's the first question for you as we close. How has God transformed you this past year? As you reflect back at the the beginning of a new year and think back through 2021, what are ways that you've experienced God's sanctification this past year? Friends, there should be tangible ways in each of our lives where we've seen God grow us, where strongholds of sin have been broken, or we've seen ourselves growing in the fruit of the Spirit or different things in our life. Where have you seen God grow you and sanctify you this past year? As you think about those, thank Him for that. That's nothing you made yourself. Have you become more patient this year? That's not because of your white knuckled determination. It's because the Holy Spirit has been producing it in you. There's been a stronghold of sin that Jesus wrote this year. It's not because you came up with the right strategies. It's because the Holy Spirit transformed you. So as you think about how God has transformed you this past year, thank Him for it. That is His work in you, His grace gift, and His love for you. But friends, none of us have arrived. Zach mentioned that earlier. None of us are perfectly sanctified. So what are the areas you need God to sanctify you Right now, where there is, you need God to still transform you this year. And you can't produce it. So take a minute now and ask Him to do that. So thank Him for how He's grown you this year. And then ask Him to do that this year in areas you still need to do. So take a minute and pray over those things.
2: same passage as well, First Thessalonians five fourteen, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the, the disheartened, help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strives to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and He will do it so with that truth, let's stand together and let's sing this last song. And and it's a beautiful song to end on because as we're growing, as we're being sanctified, as we're being brought closer to Christ through the Spirit, how much more would we enjoy this song that we're going to sing? As we're growing, as we're growing in faith and being sanctified, this song is going to become more and more beautiful because of who we see in God the Father and Christ the Son and in the Holy Spirit.
1: just where you're standing, would you just pray now what you've just sung to the Lord how worthy He is? Thank Him for His goodness. Thank Him for His grace. And then ask Him for more and more grace to sanctify you completely and to Do what only he can do in your life. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we've had to gather together this morning to study your word, to sing your praises, to pray together. Lord, may we not take for granted the privilege we have to do this. And Lord, I pray this morning... That what we've experienced would not be limited to this room, but Lord, this would carry on all week long. That we would find ourselves singing to you, praying, asking for transformation all throughout this week. And we know as that happens, you will receive great glory and we'll find the joy. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna read this benediction over you as we close this morning. We've read it several times. but let this be our benediction and our prayer of blessing this morning. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. And God bless you, Gateway family.